this morning, but uh, find with me uh, in your Bible, Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. We, we began a new series last week uh, entitled Entrusted. Uh, we're considering what is a biblical vision for stewardship as it is laid out in Scripture. And you remember, as I told you last week, when you consider stewardship, uh, oftentimes in our society today, the word uh, stewardship has often gotten used as just this other word to describe our wealth or our finances. But when you actually turn to the pages of the Bible and you consider what does the Bible say about being a steward and, and what are the things in life that God calls calls us to steward, you actually discover that there are so many more things than just money. And so this morning, we've turned in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. I invite you to stand with me this morning as we consider what it means to steward creation. What does it mean to be a steward of creation? Now, let's listen to the Word of God. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 24, and follow with me to the end of the chapter. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind and the livestock according to their kind and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was, tell me the next word. Oh, say it louder. God saw that it was what? Good. Good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And what's the next word? to subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. And God saw everything that he made. And behold, it was very, what's the next word? It was good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now jump down with me to the next chapter, chapter 2. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, Then the Lord God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now one more place this morning. Turn with me in the New Testament now to the book of Romans. All right? So find the New Testament And Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, find Romans, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. Lest we think that creation is just something we find in the first couple chapters of the book of Genesis, let us not forget how our whole Bible is uh, really one story, all right? And, And notice what Paul writes to the church in Rome. Romans chapter 8, find with me verse 19. Now notice what the Bible says. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. 
in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For what hope for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your word and for the truth of it. I pray that today, God, as we continue to consider what it means to be a steward of all the things in our life that you've entrusted us with, Lord, help us to consider what it means to be a steward of your creation. Lord, this is something that I think often we don't think about, and we don't think about the implications of of the things that we do and why we do it. And so I pray this morning that, Lord, even as representatives of you in this world that you've made, that you would help us to be faithful in our stewardship of what you have given us. We pray that you'll help us, that your spirit would be our teacher this morning. And we ask it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, this morning, if you're looking for a thought for the message, it is simply the stewardship of creation. The stewardship of creation. And and I want us to think about, before we consider, what does the Bible say about creation and how you and I in our lives are to steward it? Uh, You may not realize it, but as I was preparing for this message, I thought to myself, man, I'm about to embark on something that is highly politicized, all right? Uh, Something, this is is territory that, that is highly controversial in our nation, Uh, I'm finding to be true, the older I get, that a person's political ideologies and their leanings on something actually shadows a whole bunch of things in our life. And, And it's the same with this. I think in our society today, we've seen so many things that have disintegrated before our eyes, even in the previous couple generations. You know, you think about the disintegration of the family unit. You think about in a lot of ways that the church in America just seems as if it's not thriving. I mean, certainly in places it is, but, 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 but it just gives this impression that something's not right there. And then, and then with that, with, 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 these, with these absences, what feel like absences in our culture, people end up turning their focus to what they think can really save them. They, they, they turn their focus to a political ideology or, or a political party. And, and, you know, people put great stock into that because it seems like so many things in our culture ride on it. And yet, even when we begin talking about the Bible and and talking about being a good steward of God's creation and caring for God's creation, so much of the day with environmental movements and everything has become so highly politicized that even when I make a statement about caring for creation, and in some ways it sounds... um, you know, if, if I didn't say creation and I just said caring for earth or, or caring for humanity, I mean, if I were to change the verbiage a little bit, it sounds more like a political campaign slogan than it does a biblical mandate. All right? But yet, when we open our Bibles and we consider what God has given to us in Genesis 1, what do we discover? That, 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 that God has great concern for this world that he has created. 
And, and even more so when we think about just our life and, and why in the world would we ever consider a topic like this? It's because when you just look at the headlines today, I mean, just this past week, if you were reading anything or listening to any news globally, certainly there were things that came up that were pertaining to the environment, not just on a global scale, but even as we think about our own local county and, and regulations and things that we would implement in our own area. And, and as we read and as we hear media, we hear words like pollution, right? We hear words like climate change and sustainable energy. Uh, we, we, we hear words like uh, carbon emissions and extreme weather patterns. Even in our life group this week, we were talking about the big polar vortex that came and you know, reached all the way down to, I think, Pensacola, Florida. I mean, it was unheard of just to think about these weather changes. And so th- there's so much in our world today that is considering environmental and, and these type of ecological issues. And I wonder, has anybody ever asked your opinion on it? You know, maybe you've been talking to your friend or a work colleague, and one of those buzzwords come up, and, and you end up asking the question, or maybe it was asked of you, hey, what's your opinion on global warming? Or what's your opinion? And, you know, and so it is actually an issue that very much affects every one of us in our lives. Because God has given us this world, and as humanity, we are called to steward it. So I know as I'm beginning a message like this about caring for creation, uh, some of you, all you can think about is just the political idea. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. And I think about the minister that reminded pastors, he says, you're a minister of the word, mind thy business, all right? So, so that's my endeavor this morning. Uh, to be faithful to the Bible. I'm not, I'm not here to, have a, to, to make this feel political for you, regardless of where you lean on the spectrum. I just want you to know you're welcome here, okay? Amen? You're welcome here. But what we're considering this morning is far deeper than any type of, of, of political ad, something that's far deeper than some, what people would say, a progressive agenda. We're not following some hipster trend on TikTok about somebody that's talking about caring for the environment. What are we considering? We're considering the mandate from Almighty God to His creation that they would steward His good creation well. So I'm going to give you a couple thoughts this morning if you're taking notes. First is this, creation is good. Like, Pastor, I came all the way 10.30 on a Sunday morning to get three words that creation is good. It is good. Because everything, hear me well, everything that the Almighty creates, God calls good. I read Genesis 1 again this week a number of times. I just, in my mind's eye, tried to imagine creation those first six days of creation. And, 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 and all, all the things that I've seen in my lifetime with special effects and movies and all of these things, like they, 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 can't even, they, they can't even put into a picture of what is happening as God speaks nothing. And out of nothing, everything comes into existence. And we, we, we see these six days of creation as, as, God, as God shapes and forms by his spoken word. And the Bible comes again and again after every day of creation. It it makes this statement that it was good. Can you tell me? Creation is what? It's good. It is good. 
because God creates it. It's not good necessarily just because of what we see, although it's nice and beautiful. It's good because of what God creates. It's a reflection of him as our designer. And so when we look out, I mean, man, what a beautiful week in Catawba. And thinking about this past week being peak week and all the leaves and the colors as they're changing. What is it that God is saying with everything that he made in creation? Everything. He says it's good. And that word good, it comes from a a Hebrew word that literally means beautiful. It's beautiful. How many of you have just sat on your porch this week, looked out in the beautiful landscape of what God has made? Anybody done that this week? And you've just tried to take it all in because it's beautiful, because it's good. And notice, notice what do we discover? That creation is good, but God is distinct from his creation. God is distinct from his creation. God is not part of the earth. This is the mistake that the pantheists make when they try to identify God as creator in his creation. Listen, we do not worship Mother Earth. We worship the creator of heaven and earth. Amen? I mean, so we, 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 we can't go wrong and look out on this world, no matter how vast and beautiful it is, and come to the faulty conclusion that God is creation. That is not at all what the Bible teaches. Very clearly, the Bible teaches that God is the creator of all things, heaven and earth. So he is creator And the Bible declares from one passage to the next that that God is the Almighty, that he reigns, and that he is the creator of this world. Just listen to a few of these scriptures. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the fullness, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the psalmist says. The world and those who dwell therein. Psalm 50, verse 10. The Bible says, for every beast of the field, God says, for every beast of the forest is mine. Those of you that are owning cattle, they aren't your cattle. God's making a declaration, they're my cattle. He says, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field, God said, is mine. So when, as you're driving to church this morning and you're driving past cow pasture after cow pasture after a deer after a bird, or you see all these things, God's making the declaration in his word, these things are mine, declares the Lord. He's the creator, he's the almighty. In Colossians, we read in Colossians chapter 1, just listen. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And so what do we discover as we open our Bible in Genesis chapter 1 that before ever you and I as humanity were here on the scene, God had created something, and it was this beautiful creation. God creates this world, and everything in it is a reflection of the glory of God. Just like an artist would create a piece of pottery or paint a canvas, and what you look at is a reflection of the designer. It's a reflection of the artist. It gives glory to the artist. So I want to invite you this morning not to do something I normally wouldn't invite you to, and that is to look out the window, all right? I want you to look out the window, and I want you to just lock your eye on a tree, any tree. God made that. And why did God make a tree? I mean, out of all the things, I mean, 
Why, why a tree? Why, 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 why a tree? Because it'll sprout and seed and die and it's a picture of new life and new growth. But a tree, simply being a tree, is giving glory to its maker. The mountains, look out the front. You can't even see the top of the peaks out there. But a mountain, just as magnificent and majestic as it is, it it, it praises God. It it ascribes glory to God. Why? Because of how it has been made. It is, it is, it is, and and, and as being just a mountain, I mean, we can't even picture what does it mean to be a mountain. But to be a mountain is simply just to be this reflection of God's creation. Yesterday, my wife and I took our dog, Toby, to the Salem Dog Park, and he's playing with all these other dogs. It was so much fun, man. He's just bouncing around. It's one of the best places I've, I've taken him recently. And, and, and the last time we went, they were all small dogs, and he was like the, the giant. And then this time, they were all big dogs, and he was the little one. And he's playing around, and you know, he's, he's nuzzling dogs and chasing dogs and doing all the goofy things that Toby does. He's a goofy dog. He's just goofy. And even in his goofiness, what is Toby doing? He's reflecting the glory of God and what God has made. It's pretty amazing, really, when you think about creation. And you think about things on such a macro level. I mean, this past week, as I was scrolling through social media, I I saw a picture of some star constellations. And I was just like, man, I just had to stop. I was like, wow. Wow. That's magnificent. That's majestic. Something as magnificent as that, as small as just the little bumblebee that was flying around on our patio the other day as Ashlyn and I were eating lunch. And you think about the intricacies of this little tiny bee. And God made it to reflect his beauty, to reflect his majesty. He is the artist and this world is his gallery. And he's put all of these pieces up on display for you and I to revel in his majesty, to revel in his, his, his worth. That's why the psalmist says in, in, in Psalm 8, when I look to your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him, you have given him dominion over all the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So what do we discover about creation? We discover in Genesis chapter 1, we open our Bible, that creation is what? Only two of you remembered. Creation is what? It's good. And then notice, secondly, what are we told about us? We're discovering, secondly, that man is a steward. He's a steward. He's a caretaker of God's creation. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, the earth is the Lord's. But then we read in Psalm 115, same book, different Psalm. Now we read that the earth has been given to the children of man. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, which is it? Is it God's world or is it our world? Is it, is it something he's allowed for us to have or is it something for us to have for ourselves? But when we surveyed this, the landscape of the Bible, we discover that both of those statements in the Psalms are not contradictory, but that they're complementing one another. It is true that the earth is the Lord's. In the fullness thereof. Amen? Amen. It's true. 
But it's also true in Psalm 115 that the earth has been given to the children of man. I love how author John Stott described this in his Care for Creation. He wrote a tremendous article. I actually would invite you to find it and look it up. It's called The Care of Creation. And and he describes this. Listen to what he says. He says, The earth belongs to God by creation, and it belongs to us by delegation. He goes on to write, he says, This does not mean that he has handed it over to us in such a way to relinquish his owner rights of it, but rather he has given us the responsibility to preserve and develop the earth on his behalf. That's why, if you look down in your Bible in Genesis chapter 1, Notice the words that God uses to describe it in verse uh, 26. He's, he's talking about, notice, what is, this, what is this responsibility of us? The Bible says in verse 26, that let them have dominion. The word is dominion. You see also that they are to subdue it, we read in Genesis 1. So what is this picture? It's, it's actually these two very strong verbs to to have dominion, to exercise dominion, and to subdue it. You notice in chapter 2, notice down again in verse 15, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. What is, what is man's stewarding responsibility? The Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden, the garden that God had created and put together. I mean, man, I love gardens. I, I, I'm discovering the older I get, I am being classic dad, right? I love, I love mowing. I, I, I love, I love, I can't tell you all my dad things, but but I, I'm, I'm realizing I love gardens. And, and uh, man, how majestic and magnificent would it have been to see the Garden of Eden? It has nothing on Botanica, you know? I mean, it would have been magif- magnificent. And God puts Adam and Eve, his creation, to steward them, that they would steward his creation. And notice, what are they to do? What are the two words, what Adam and Eve are to do to steward God's creation? Tell me. To work it and to what? To keep it, all right? And so they're to care for it and take care of it. Uh, God, notice what he's doing in this passage. This is the language of stewardship. God is making us gardeners. I don't know if you like to garden, but this is what God is making humanity. He, he, he's making us gardeners. I love how one person said it. They said it's like God is making us curators in his gallery, when you, when you think about this gallery being God's creation and all the things that he's made, then for you and I to be curators of that, I think it's a beautiful, fitting picture because it, it shows our responsibility to what God has made. We're to cultivate and care of it. You and I are not owners of creation. You say, well, Aaron, that's not true. I own my house. I own my land. No, you don't. I mean, you may. But not in the way that God does, Right? You're simply using it and stewarding it and having the responsibility for it. But notice, you did not make that. We are not owners, but we are tenants in God's magnificent world. And this creation that you and I think about is this magnificent gift. It's a gift to creation. It's it's a gift to humanity. It reflects the glory of God, but creation is a gift to humanity. Just last night, I took Toby out, used the bathroom one last time. It was like 10.30. I look up in the sky. Anybody look up in the sky last night? As clear as it could be. The stars. And it's just, what wells up in your heart is worship. 
Because the heavens declare the glory of God. It's a a display of his majesty, his power, his dominion. But notice what you think about in in this passage is in in Genesis 1, that God is asking, he is putting his people, humanity, in this garden that they would steward, that they would protect and care, they would cultivate, they would exercise dominion. So that why? So that this garden might flourish. And I think God's original design in Eden was that Adam and Eve, as caretakers of God's world, as they would exercise this dominion and stewardship, not just in Eden, but ultimately over the entire world, that that, that they they would be ambassadors for God in his creation. And what do we discover as we look at Genesis 1? That they were to create this beauty in caring for God's creation. So there's two ways that we can really get fouled up as we think about our relationship as stewards of creation. On the one extreme, you and I can get really fouled up by looking at the beauty of creation and somehow assuming that God is his creation. That is not at all what the Bible teaches, right? We we, we would reject that extreme. That's what is called pantheism. But we also reject the opposite extreme. And that is this. I love how Stott puts it in his article. He says, he says the other extreme is the exploitation of nature. Because you see, environmentalists, I mean, I'm sure when they read Genesis 1, as, as mankind is to subdue the earth and have dominion, those are kind of harsh-sounding words. And, and if you're a very progressive environmentalist, you look at chapter 1 and you throw your hands up and you scroll, Ah! Oh, no! <laughs> What's going to happen? I mean, are, are they just going to take this beautiful world and all these resources and just waste it and, 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 and make less of it and, 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 and mar and, and, and destroy what God has given? Sadly, I think Genesis 1 has been unjustly blamed for a whole bunch of environment irresponsibility, right? We look at, we look at the first chapter, and I, I love how Billy Graham says it. He says, when we fail to see the world as God's creation, we will end up abusing it selfishness and greed take over and we end up not caring about the environment or the problems we're creating for future generations. I think the church has a lot to learn from that. Sadly, sometimes in evangelical circles, there's this attitude that, man, the earth is going to burn up anyway, and so what does it matter? And, but that's not the attitude that God has in Genesis 1 regarding his creation. Adam and Eve were not to ruin it. They were to steward it. They were to care for it. They were to tend to it. They were to, they were to see that it would flourish and that it would then bless the lives of other people. I look at this pulpit that's here this morning. And this pulpit, many of you may not know this, this pulpit and our other pulpit, our communion table, they were all built by a, by a woodworker who was in our church family for many years. His name was Mr. Herschel Connor. And he built this pulpit. Uh, he, he, I guess we could say he was the designer uh, he, he thought about what this should look like before it was even built. He picked the wood and the stain and, and everything, and he fashioned this beautiful piece, this pulpit. Well, it would be very wrong of his son Jeff to have come into his wood shop after everything was totally done, and he looks at the piece, he says, ah, Dad, let's just cut it up for firewood, you know? I don't think Miss Charlene would have liked that at all. Why? Because there was great care that went into it. 
There was purpose and intentionality so that, so that one day this pulpit might be used for this purpose, to help this preacher so that he can see his notes and that the church might be blessed and benefited by the hearing of God's word. We are a steward of what God has given us. If we forget that we are stewards, we'll end up abusing what God has given. We'll forget that rather than giving glory and praise to the gift, we should rather give glory and praise to God. So we're not only to conserve the environment as Christians, but we're to develop its resources for the common good so that it would bless many, many people. Can I give you, can I give you this last statement? In his article, I tell you, it's a tremendous article, The Care of Creation. John Stott quotes from Henry Blotcher. Listen to what is said, and I'll read. The climax of creation is not the creation of man, the worker, but the institution of the Sabbath for man, the worshiper. It is not our toil subduing the earth, but the laying aside of our toil on the Sabbath day. For the Sabbath revitalizes the importance of work. It protects us from a total absorption in our work as if it were to be the be-all and the end-all of our existence. It is not. We human beings find for our, our humanness not only in relation to the earth, which we are to transform, but in our relation to God, whom we are to worship. Not only in the retention of creation, but especially in relation to our creator. Then notice this last statement. God intends our work to be an expression of our worship. And our care of creation to be a reflection of our love for the creator. Only then, whatever we do in word or deed, shall we be able to do it all to the glory of God. Because what you discover as you're reading Genesis chapter 1, God creates creation. I mean, creates creation. God fashions creation and he says, behold, it is what? Good. And then he made man and woman and he says, it is what? Not just good. Very good. Right? Unless we think that the apex of God's creation is the sixth day of what he's done in our life as if somehow God made all of this so that we could somehow revel in it, enjoy the wonder of it all. No, the, the end of creation is the seventh day where God ceased from his labor. Because not that he was tired, but he ceased from his labor and is an example to you and I that we might cease from our work, our labor, the sweat of our brow so that we might worship the creator. And you go to Genesis 2 and then into chapter 3, and what do you discover? You discover the fall of man. You discover the way that sin enters into God's perfect world, and it mars it. Everything has been impacted by sin. It's been shattered. But what does that mean for the environment? What does that mean for creation? Well, you'll notice today there's a lot of environmentalists that are wanting to put more and more sanctions on the world because it looks like it's getting worse and something's bad's happening and, and how can we correct it? And you know what? They're partly true. 
But do you know what we discover when we open our Bibles to Genesis 3? The earth is deteriorating. The earth is, is, is creation itself is, is deteriorating from its original goodness. And, and, and it looks like it's getting worse, and it probably is going to get worse. But guess what? It wasn't mankind that was responsible for it. In the curse, God cursed it. God cursed it. Now, you and I are responsible for our sin, yes, but notice what God did to this world is he cursed it. He cursed it. But God has set out to do something. And that's what the rest of your Bible from Genesis 4 all the way to the end of Revelation is all about. It's about God restoring on this mission to redeem and restore his creation. Not just you and I, but this world. You you discover as you read the Bible, God's heart is one of restoring and redeeming. And so he sends you and I out now on this mission to help re- recover the beauty that's below the curse. We, 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 we enter into God's world now. And, and so we look out on this world and we say it's still beautiful. We, we, we see the designer, but it's been fractured. It's been flawed. There's, there's things that, that, that don't seem so right in the world. The, you know, you think about the weather patterns and the disastric you know, hurricanes and tsunamis and all of this thing. And we say, well, wait a minute, look at all the great destruction that's caused from that. It's because of the curse. This world's not operating the way in which God had intended. Why? Because he cursed it. (laughs) But one day, one day, what's God going to do to this world? Someone tell me. (laughs) He's going to what, Molly? He's going to renew it. God's going God's to remake it and make it new. It's going to be redeemed. It'll be, it'll be as God had intended. And so notice, I love how Jeremy Tree in his book, Seek First the Kingdom of God, he gives this very simple definition of what it means for you and I to be a part of God's kingdom and to extend our stewardship in this world. He says, the kingdom is God's reign through God's people over God's place. I love how simple that is. When you think about our life and as a steward, what does it mean? It means that you and I, the kingdom of God, is recognizing God's reign through his people over God's place. And so the way that you and I steward creation is ultimately a reflection of our love for God. The way that we care for this world is a reflection of our love for the Father. Because God's about restoring creation. And when you realize what you discover is that when you read the Bible, the story of the Bible is not just God rescuing sinful people to be with him in this far off distant place called heaven. The story of the Bible is about God rescuing and redeeming fallen man. And God, like Molly just shared, is going to remove and remake God's world in this perfect way. You read it, Revelation 20, 21. I don't have time to unpack all that for you. So what does this mean? What does this mean? What do we take away for all these things? 
Well, there's a couple things we should take away. First is this. We're not owners of God's creation. We're stewards. We're stewards. And we should care, curate God's gallery in a way that reflects glory to him. Secondly, secondly, God's creation is something that God wants us to use, to steward, to, 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 to work it. Why? So that, so that we as people, we as humanity might reap the blessings and the things from this life. That's, that's why I love ingenuity and creativity and, 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 and all those things. Because, because there's people's lives around the world today that are being blessed by those things as mankind works and creates and tends these resources that God's given us. There's so much good that can happen for the kingdom of God as a whole when we faithfully steward creation. And then the last thing is this. Being a steward of God's creation, what should happen in each of our hearts is there should be, we should be able to look out on this world of what God has made and in our heart there should well up within us this gratefulness that I've been gifted something because creation is that. It's a gift, it's a gift to God's people. And so when I look out on creation, I should think of everything that God's blessed me with in my life as a gift that has come from his sovereign hand. And I shouldn't be resentful because it's not mine in the first place. And so if God gives it to me and allows me to reap the joy of being blessed by some things in his world, then I should be so grateful for it. But I sure shouldn't be resentful for for things because they were never mine in the first place. You see, there's only two ways of looking at this world. It's either all this stuff is your stuff or all this stuff is God's stuff. So today I wonder, which is it for you? Are you looking at your life from the attitude and from the perspective that this world is about you? It's about you. <laughs> it's about you. And, and how could you work and sweat and do all these things to somehow create a better life for you? Or this morning, would you just not stop and pause and recognize and say, the things in my life today are from the sovereign good hand of God and this creation and all the things that have come from it are a gift from God. And how am, and how am I stewarding it? How, how, how am I being faithful to see these things be reinvested in the lives to bless other people? Would you bow your head with me this morning? Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that there is purpose in your creation. Lord, thank you that even in our mess and in our brokenness that, Lord, you are pursuing us in love and and that is the great story of the gospel. It's what we sung about this morning. It's the reason why, God, you died on the cross and gave your sin, your your life for us and, and our sins were put on you. Lord, all of these things is because of how you are redeeming and restoring us as your people. And one day, Lord, there'll be this consummation of all things and this renewal and and there is this restoring to this world.
But Lord, in the meantime, while we're here in this world and, and things aren't as the way that, Lord, really they ought to be, I pray that you would help us to be faithful to help people see the designer. Lord, help us to be faithful to, to reflect you in what we do, that it gives glory and honor to your name. And we praise you and worship you this morning for all you've done for us. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, amen. amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to invite you just to bow your head there before the Lord and to have a moment of response as God's working in hearts today. I wonder, what does this mean for your life today? When was the last time gratefulness welled up in your heart because you just recognized how good God is? In this world and the beauty of this world and the joy of the experiences you've had in this life, why... Why, why, why don't you just be grateful for God, acknowledge Him in your heart, and worship Him today? The Bible says in Romans that, that, that people's foolish hearts were darkened, and they, 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 rather than be thankful, were resentful, and we see this whole spin-out of what happened in humanity. Why don't you just be grateful today to God for life and breath and the joy of being a part of his creation and the, 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 the joy now of being able to steward it.